Uh, open your Bibles with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 1. Oh, that's good. Acts chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through 8. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. We're talking about the miracle life of Christ. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Listen, I'm giving you time to turn there, but I'm not taking time to turn there. So, of course, Acts is written by um, Luke, uh, the same guy that wrote the Gospel of Luke. And um, so that's why he starts out talking about the, the former letter. So he says, The former treatise or letter have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, uh, saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now we've talked uh, several weeks uh, on this passage of Scripture, this being our kind of our theme text for this series, The Miracle Life. And um, we talked the first week about Jesus, our model. And, you know, like Hebrews chapter 2 is also one of the favorite verses of most pastors because then you go back over it, right? Uh, uh, Pastor Mark Hankins always says, Brother Hagin set me fear from the fear, free from the fear of repetition. Because, man, we'd sit... Uh, my wife and I traveled with Dad Hagen the last uh, full time the last couple of years uh, of his ministry here on the earth, and uh, we'd sit there and every morning he'd teach on prayer and same scriptures uh, every morning. And if you're not real careful, you can get too familiar with stuff uh, like we were talking during the offering period, and uh, you just uh, regard it lightly. But what we learned real quickly, and I kind of learned it in school before I was traveling with him, is that. Uh, you know, you put your ex expectation on God, and you expect, if you come expect, I mean, that's one thing that Brother Hagin repeated, I think, every single meeting. If you come expecting, you won't be disappointed. And the interesting thing is, you kind of get what you believe, you get what you expect. And so, as we would come, and he would talk about, you know, uh, John chapter 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. And then Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 18 um, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance for all saints. He would talk about those things and those scriptures. You could get revelation upon revelation upon revelation upon revelation, or you could sit and fall asleep. And, uh, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, in class, you'd see some people that would fall asleep, and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, what are you doing? And uh, you could be sitting right in class with someone, and they could be getting almost nothing, 
and you like have this like fountain flow of revelation coming. And I remember uh, Jeremy and Leah, uh, they moved out here uh, to help us, and so did little Leah, but she didn't go to Ramah yet. Uh, but before they went to Ramah to go to Bible school, they asked, uh, Jeremy, I think, said, do you have any advice? Do you have any advice? And I said, well, I said, you kind of get what you expect. And I said, you'll see people that just kind of treat it lightly. Don't do that. Pay attention. And they did. And they actually experienced the same thing where they saw some people uh, that really just kind of regarded things lightly. So we don't ever want to do that. And uh, that's why I think John Osteen and now his son Joel, you'll see, and a lot of other people pick it up. They talk about, you know, pick up your Bible and say, this is my Bible. But even that can become a routine. And so we believe this is the word of God. We know this is the word of God. And if you receive it as the word of God, it'll bring life. It'll penetrate darkness. It'll go to the core of who you are. Sometimes we look at our own lives uh, and our own selves, and we don't like what we see. You know, you're like, oh, you know, I don't like that habit I have or that, you know, um, that uh, part of my personality where I, you know, it could be anything where you tend to like have a short temper or you um, just have bad habits or you're not um, walking in love like you should, those type of things. Uh, none of us are walking in love like we should. You know, we should be perfected in love. We should always be growing in love more and more and more. And um, like Brother Hagin would say, you know, as soon as I thought I'm just walking in love, I'm doing pretty good. About that time, something would come along and knock my feet where my head was just a second ago. In other words, uh, you're going to have lots of opportunities to walk in love. And um, uh, that's one of the greatest areas that we can develop and grow spiritually is to walk in love. So we want to pay attention to what's being said. So uh, point number one is Jesus is our model. All that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And if you stop and look at the life of Christ and really look at it, and really look at the times in which he lived, and what he did, and what he said, it's amazing. It's like no other life on this earth had been up to that point. The life of Jesus Christ uh, was just different than anybody else. And we talked about last week, uh, jumping ahead just a little bit, we started talking about the credibility of the gospel. So at the time when Christ was walking the earth, you had, I think it was like 300 years before, uh, you know, the great Greek thinkers, Plato, Socrates, uh, and philosophers. So in that day, you know, if you wanted your uh, Jewish son to be trained well and stuff, you'd, you'd hire someone to teach him and train him and in the thinking and the teaching. But everything was philosophy. Jesus came and he was teaching. And he was teaching just another philosophy. Until... He did the works. He was just uh, someone else, you know, outwardly. We know he wasn't, of course, you know. But looking, if you put yourself in those times, and it's like, whoa, this guy, I never heard anybody quite teach like this. And what they said is, he taught like one with authority. Like, wait a minute, this guy is almost like the one that uh, came up with this, and he's very well versed in it. You know, you could be a, an authority in a particular subject. You may be, uh, you know, like my um, side job is uh, I do a lot of uh, television engineering stuff, and I may be well-versed in some aspects of that, but I may find someone else that's obviously way more well-versed than I am, and they're called an authority in the subject. So I could say, like, okay, well, this is, I've done this, and this is what happened, but they speak like they created the thing. Of course, we know Christ did create uh, uh, us and created uh, the heavens and the earth. 
So he spoke as one with authority. And when we look at all that he began to do, he said, I didn't come really to tell you about me. I came to show my father. I came to reveal my father. Everything he did was to reveal God to us. And so he came to show us what God is like. And he began to do that. And the reason I really like this verse is it says all that Jesus began to do. That means if he began, he's still doing it. He started to do it in just that short three and a half years, all that Jesus began to do. Uh, Of course, we know like uh, Jesus as a little child did not go and like heal the bird raise the bird from the dead, all of these type of things. His ministry did not start till he was baptized in the River Jordan and the Holy Spirit came upon him. And that's a lot where this whole study is going is that uh, verse 8, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. We look at the apostles that he chose that were with him, uh, that personally saw him. And before this happened to them, before the upper room experience, they kind of like, denied him and retreated and, uh, uh, like I said, were an embarrassment to themselves. And uh, Judas was such an embarrassment to himself that he killed himself. So without the power of the Holy Spirit, not only recreating us on the inside, but coming upon us, we cannot be as effective uh, as we should be, as the Lord has made us to be. We don't have the tools that he provided for us. We're not using them if we're not... Um, letting the Holy Spirit come upon us. So point number one is Jesus, our model, all that he began to do and to teach. He was a model for us. He's an example to follow. We can look at him. We can find out what he did, how he interacted, how he thought about people. And he thought a lot different than the philosophers of the day. Number two, until the day he was taken up. So until the day he was taken up and went to heaven, he uh, modeled this, he taught it. And of course, after he rose from the dead, it says for 40 days uh, you know, when we read, we'll see that in a second. For 40 days, he thought, taught them of things concerning the kingdom of God. And prior to that, prior to his death, burial, and resurrection, we have to always remember, it's, it's like one of the most important points in the gospel. We have to always remember that he was ministering under the old covenant to fulfill the old covenant and at the same time revealing God. And then once he was uh, risen from the dead, and came back, now that's available to everyone. So the people he's ministering to, even his apostles that were closely with him, were not Christian. Until he's, you know, later on, John chapter 8, we, you know, or not John, the end of John, we learn that he breathed on him and said, Re- receive the Holy Spirit. Now that was not uh, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, that was being recreated by the Holy Spirit. When someone's born again, when you're born again, when I'm born again, uh, when somebody from another denomination or they're not even part of a denomination, is born again. The Holy Spirit comes inside of them to live in them and recreates them. But there's an experience after that called being filled with the Spirit or being baptized with the Spirit, which is a different experience. And that's what we're talking about, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and, of course, Acts chapter 2. Until the day he was taken up, we look at that and we see all that he did and we are inspired. So M for model, I for inspiration, and then uh, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandment, if he gives a commandment, we have to respond. Now, you say, I don't have to respond. You know, I, you know, I have my own choice. Well, that is a choice. If you choose, like, I'm not going to do anything, then we have made a choice. And uh, uh, so many times we hear things from the Word of God, and we decide, I'm not going to do that right now. That's not really important right now. We're making decisions all the time. As I'm talking, 
you are making decisions. As you listen to any minister of the gospel, you're making decisions. Yeah, I believe that. No, I don't believe that. Yeah, I'm going to hold that in regard. No, I'm not going to hold that in regard. So all of us uh, have responsibility, and we have to respond. And under the apostles whom he had chosen, uh, talks about our action as his delegates. We're talking about apostles, simply sent ones, people whom he has empowered and sent. And then we got last week to the credibility of the gospel, and that's where we're going to do the second half of today, uh, that our gospel is credible. Uh, verse 3, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, uh, being seen within 40 days, speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. But he showed himself alive uh, by many infallible proofs. So the whole thing... The whole thing, all that we believe, all that Jesus taught, even with all of the miracles that he did, that no man ever did, the whole thing is really um, useless if Christ is dead, if Christ did not rise from the dead. Because, uh, you know, we look in at Moses and going into Egypt and taking the Hebrew children out. You know, the magicians for Pharaoh also did some miraculous things. Um, not like Jesus did, but they did some miraculous things. But if Christ is not risen from the dead, then really everything that we believe is, um, is vain, is what the Bible says. So, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. What does the resurrection signify? I'm going to give you, I think it's five questions today. What does the resurrection signify? The resurrection signifies that the gospel is credible. And our witness, that we can say, you know what, God has changed my life. Here's what happened to me. And like I've said the last few weeks, at minimum, you have the miraculous power of God showing up in the love of God being poured in your heart and my heart in abundance. Because you have a love that you didn't have before. And uh, you may have been healed. I had an incurable disease, and I was miraculously healed of that. And um, so I have that as well. You may have those things in your life or in the life of other people. You know, I know when uh, last week, I think we talked about when we went to the Philippines, uh, praying for uh, those five people at the little prayer group. And all of them, you know, awesomely enough, were instantly healed. And uh, that's not because I healed them. The Lord healed them. I spoke the word and laid hands on them, and that's what I was told to do, and that's what you're told to do. And then the miracle working is up to him. These signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So for us, it's a matter of obedience, faith and obedience, and we believe what God said. We do it, and then he does the works. We don't do the works. He does the works. The works that we do is God is up there, and he has, like, the best ideas in the world. He has the best love in the world. He has the best everything in the world, and even really outside the world, if we're talking about world being earth. Uh, he has the best, but he can't make them happen without flesh and blood to make it happen through. And that's why he needs us. That's why he uses us. That's why we're talking about this whole series, because God wants to reach uh, our community and our area, D.C. metro area, but not just that. He wants to reach the whole world. How is God going to reach this area? He's going to reach it through flesh and blood. 
Uh, you know, how is, a, how is how are we going to have access into certain areas of our leadership here? It's through uh, people that are in those areas being born again, being influences, uh, and not only being born again, but doing something about it. So, uh, was it Matthew chapter 18? Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Whatever you don't permit or you deny on earth will be denied in heaven. So, so much is up to us. And uh, religion really teaches us that everything is up to God. And it's kind of a fate thing. Whatever will be, will be. If you're supposed to be born again, you'll be born again. If you won't, you won't. Uh, but the Bible, as opposed to just religion, teaches us that God desires that all men, all mankind, be born again, be saved, and that none perish. And uh, that's the Lord's desire. That's the Lord's will. So um, the reason uh, for the resurrection is because if Christ did not raise, then he didn't have victory over death. And that's the ultimate. You can have victory over sickness and disease. That is, you know, you might call it incipient death. In other words, it's death begun. So you get a sickness. If that sickness is not healed, either supernaturally or naturally or through medicine, you're going to die. You see people with like a broken down immune system, they can get the flu and die because they have a broken down immune system. But uh, Jesus gained victory over that, over every sickness and every disease, and then ultimately over death. So the gospel, excuse me, the resurrection signifies that the gospel is true, that it's credible, and that it's believable. And um, you have many different philosophies in the world, many different belief systems, many different religions, but none of them does the founder died and rose again, except for Christianity. That's what sets Christianity apart. That's the main thing that sets us apart, and that's why we're credible. So... You know, a lot of this came from uh, Dr. T.L. Osborne. He was a world evangelist, and he passed away a couple years ago, 2013. And he would experience many different things because he went to many different cultures. And the most significant thing he experienced is in 1956, he and his wife went to India. And they didn't um, uh, understand, of course, what we're teaching here right now. But so they went out, and they set out with their Bible, and they set out to uh, reach people with the gospel. And they found out real quickly that in India, it's a very spiritual place, and they have their own holy books, and it was this book against their books. But that's really all it was, was the Bible against the other holy books that they had from other uh, religious leaders. And without the power of God to show up, without life change showing up, um, really, then this would just be another philosophy, another belief system, another club, if you want to call it that. Uh, but we're not just another club because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, we know that the same power that raised him from the dead lives in us. That God has come to live in us, to dwell in us, to make us his home. So uh, what distinguished Christ's ministry was miracles. We look at the resurrection. Um, because he came back from the dead, we can come back from the dead. Because, uh, you know, you can turn over 1 Corinthians 15 while I'm, um, I'm going through this. 1 Corinthians 15, it's our main scripture uh, for the rest of this session. But what distinguished his ministry was his miracles. He was the only one in the world, only teacher in the world that was doing these miracles. 
Uh, and of course, that's why word spread so fast, because it's like, yeah, you've got lots of teachers, and all of a sudden you've got this guy teaching, but he's like teaching and doing. And my testimony, which I think I talked a little bit about a couple weeks ago, was, uh, you know, I grew up in a denominational church, was a Christian, you know, didn't grow up a Christian, but I became Christian at a very young age, so I grew up as a Christian, and um, received the Lord. Uh, and I didn't understand, or didn't know, was unaware of being filled with the Holy Spirit, and when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I got a brand new Bible. It was the same physical pages, but it like came so alive. And I was, I remember, I've said it, but it still amazes me. I look at scriptures that I Bible quizzed on as a kid, and I'm like, I have this memorized. Like I had it, I knew it here. I could quote it to you. And then I would look at it, and I'm like, but there's stuff there that I didn't memorize. And I don't understand how that happened. And, uh, you know, of course, the Holy Spirit, you can have uh, a glass of water, but you can also be full of water. So I could drink a glass, and I would have, say, I just take a drink, but I could drink so much that I'm full, like, don't give me any more, I can't take any more. And that's a decent description for being filled with the Spirit. And he brings revelation, understanding. The Bible says, uh, Jesus said that he'll teach you all things. So he began to open up the Word to me, uh, teach me these things. But when I went to that meeting, I grew up, again, denominational. So we didn't, our church background, my grandmother, I have a big background in that particular denomination. And when that denomination first started, they were like, uh, what you call maybe holy rollers. They just didn't believe in speaking in other tongues. But they would like wave hankies and run around and all this stuff. Well, by the time I came along, it had gotten much more uh, traditional than that. And so that didn't, that didn't really happen. And uh, so I didn't see those type of things. And then I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And about uh, nine months later, Brother Hagen came to the church I was sneaking off to. And when he came to that church, had this deal, you know, he came forward and, you know, said, you know, the power of God in the supernatural realm is like electricity in the natural realm. It can be transmitted and transferred. And he said, if you want to go on with God, he actually prophesied, I want you to physically come forward. A bunch of people came forward and he said, be blessed in like a perfect line from me to like, a few rows behind Jeremy, people just went down in a perfect straight line. And then he said, be blessed. And people were like, this fell out. Well, I hadn't read that, you know, when they approached to, uh, the guards approached to arrest Jesus, that they fell out bodily and all of these different examples. I didn't know all of this stuff and I didn't have that background. So I was kind of scared. <laughs> I didn't understand it. And um, went home and kind of had a little, um, I don't know if irksome is the right word, but I was a little bit with the Lord, like, hey, what is this? What's going on? I don't, you know, is this of you or is this of the devil? And uh, the Lord didn't answer my question, but he did talk to me. And he said, you know, a still small voice on the inside, not an audible voice. And he said, um, uh, go back tomorrow morning, and if you still have trouble with it, then I'll talk to you about it. I said, I remember that as clear as the day is long. And I said, okay. And I thought, okay, well, I guess I can handle one more time. I made it, through the, made it through last night. So I go back the next morning, and Brother Hagen taught on prayer. And again, scripture, some scriptures I hadn't read before or didn't remember reading, and other scriptures I did, but I, it was the same way. Like, there was such, like, they were so alive. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? I'd never heard this before. And that was really good and amazing. And I thought, this guy's an amazing teacher. But then after that, he prayed. And... I never heard anybody pray like that in my life. I mean, he was praying like he was talking to the Lord, and the Lord was like right there. And uh, the reason I give that example is um, what distinguished Christ's ministry was. He wasn't just someone that taught all of this stuff. He taught 
and then he demonstrated. And Brother Hagen, uh, he said actually the Lord told him, particularly in the prayer meetings that he did, was that you're to teach by precept and example. So I want you to teach the people on prayer and then pray. And, uh, uh, and I never really connected those two till I was studying for this message, but that had such an impact on me, like I know it did when they saw Jesus Christ, because when you have someone that not only teaches but does what they say, uh, you're like, whoa, you really believe this. This is, this is really there. And, you know, kind of a side note, uh, one of the experiences we had in prayer while he was there, his son-in-law, um, I don't want to need to get into the details, but he ended up uh, dying and going to heaven. And one of those mornings, he was pleading with the Lord about his son-in-law in prayer. And it was one of the most amazing experience I ever, experiences I ever had uh, listening to someone else pray because I was kind of like, whoa. He's like, you know, no, can it be changed? Can we change it? Can we change it? No, we can't change it. And he starts crying and like just going on and all this stuff. And he was talking about, he didn't tell us at the time, but after his uh, son-in-law went to heaven, he said, you know, I was in Augusta, Georgia, praying, um, praying about Buddy. And I knew exactly what it was. I mean, I was like, whoa. And uh, so it was an interesting, um, interesting experience. But just to say that our, our gospel, what we believe, is more than words on a page, more than thoughts in our head, uh, or it can be, it should be. It's a living, breathing thing that affects our daily life. And in that aspect, for him, it affected his family life. And uh, he was able to talk to the Lord about some things and, you know, I think prepare his daughter. Uh, so uh, Christ's ministry was different because he spoke with authority and because he did the things that he spoke about. And then number three, why is the resurrection vital to Christianity? Why, why does the resurrection matter? And let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 19. I think I'm going to read it in um, William Barclay's translation. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 19. If then the substance of the Christian message is that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then neither has Christ been raised. But if Christ has not been raised, both the Christian message we preach to you and your faith are emptied of all meaning. If, there, if this is so, a further consequence is that we have clearly been making false statements about God because we affirmed about God that he raised Christ when in fact, if it's not true, the dead are not raised. He also did not raise. <clears throat> For if the dead are not raised, neither has Christ been raised. And if Christ has not been risen, then your faith is all a delusion. You are still at the mercy of your sins. Then further, we are bound to conclude that those who have died holding the Christian faith are dead and gone forever. If our Christian hope does not reach beyond this life, then we are of all men most to be pitied. So, I'm not picking on um, denominational church, but a lot of times you'll hear, and I heard it growing up, that, you know, when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, that it was done, everything was accomplished, everything was done. Well, he's really talking about he fulfilled everything he was supposed to do when he's walking on the earth, fulfilled all of the old covenant, because the Bible tells us if he didn't raise from the dead, then everything is, that we're preaching and that we're believing is useless and it's wrong. Because he had to, 
not only die, but he had to conquer death, hell, and the grave. And he did that. You know, it says he first ascended to hell, to hell before he ascended. And he went and he, uh, Colossians tells us, gained victory over the devil and actually made him look foolish in front of everyone. So if Christ is not risen, then what we're believing is all just that, just something that we believe. It's not vital. It doesn't have life in it. It doesn't have any hope for a future. And, um, you know, then when we die, we're dead like a dog. We have no guarantee if Christ didn't raise from the dead. So Christ had to raise from the dead. And, of course, we know uh, that he did. So what makes Christianity credible? Number four. And this is, uh, let's just back up to verses 1 through 8 of 1 Corinthians 15. Brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel which I preached to you and which you received, the gospel on which you have taken your stand and by which you have been saved. If you keep a tight grip of it in the form in which I preached it to you, unless your decision to believe was all for nothing. As a first essential, I handed on to you the account of all the facts that I myself had received. That account told that Christ died for our sins as the scriptures said he must, that he was buried, that he was raised to life again on the third day as the scriptures said he would be. Then he appeared to Caiaphas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 Christian brothers at one and the same time, of whom the majority survived to this present day, though some of them have died. Next he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, he appeared to me too, and my birth into the family of Christ was a violent and unexpected uh, as an abortion. So he, uh, he rose from the dead, and then he began to appear to his followers. And he appeared to this one and that one and this one and that one. And uh, Jesus is still appearing to people today. And I think Sanaz and I were talking, or Sanaz, apologize if I'm pronouncing it wrong. And uh, many times you'll find people of other religions where uh, Christ is appearing to them. And uh, even I know the Lord appeared to Brother Hagen and Teal Osborne when he was when they had gone over to India, kind of failed and came back. And he's like, Lord, what what's going on? You know, how could we fail like this? And uh, he went to hear a minister called Hattie Hammond, and she preached a message: If you ever see Jesus, you'll never be the same again. And that night, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to him, and he saw him in a vision. Uh, but prior to that. He, he and his wife decided, you know what, let's just start all over. Because they had been to see another, another minister, actually, um, William Branham. And uh, just tremendous miracles in his ministry. And they never saw anybody do that. And they thought, I didn't know that was for today. Let's start over. We're going to read the Gospels like we've never seen them before, like they're brand new and fresh. So they did, and they began to see Jesus in the Gospels. And I think the clearest vision that anybody could ever have of Jesus is what you see in the Word. Because uh, no vision, no like spiritual vision, any kind of, you know, as many kind of visions, uh, will ever be contrary to the Word of God. And when you see Jesus Christ in the Word, that's the most powerful vision you really you could ever have. These other things, like you're not really guaranteed them. It may happen, they may not happen. And um, some people have visions that uh, are not you know, fully inspired by the Lord. And you know that because it's not, it doesn't line up with the Word of God. But Brother Osborne, he saw Jesus in the Word, and he said that was really more powerful than when he appeared to him in a vision. And uh, so we don't, we don't really have a guarantee of that. But Jesus rose from the dead, and he appeared to Paul. 
last of all, but not really last of all, because he's appeared to people in our day. He's appeared to people that we know, like they're in other countries. We were in Bible school, and um, you know, uh, one of the stories I recall one of our instructors told was it was over this city. You could actually see the whole form of Christ over this entire city, and multiple people saw it. And then um, uh, T.L. Osborne was talking about one particular meeting where they had people come up the next day and testify, and 100 people saw Jesus Christ appear at the meeting at the same time. So Jesus Christ uh, is still doing the same thing today. All that he began to do, he's doing today that he did then. And uh, a relative of mine said to me one time, they said, well, if healing is for today, why aren't people in my church being healed? And I said, well, does your church pray for people to be healed? No. And, well, do they ask if people would like prayer to be healed? No. And I said, well, then how would you see people healed in your church? I never thought of that. I said, well, you know, these signs will follow them that believe. So we take that a lot of times. Oh, them that believe in Jesus Christ. It's them that believe in Jesus Christ and what he said. So if we believe, these things will happen. If we don't believe, you're not going to see him because God works by faith. He's a faith God, and that's how he operates. And, um, you know, our great father in the faith, Abraham, gave us a great faith example uh, that we are to follow. So what makes Christianity credible is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And then John chapter 14, verse 19. This is kind of where this lesson all kind of comes together. John 14, 19. Jesus said, because I live you will live also. Because I live, you will live also. So many times we look at uh, people and we wonder, why do they act like that? Why are you doing this? How could, how could people live in that type of uh, situation? Well, it's because I would say they're dead while they live. They have no life. They're just going through the motions. They're just going through the Monday through Friday, just trying to get through. Can't wait till Friday. Can't wait to go... Um, Maybe take some substances that will help me forget about my problems and drown out different things. And they're physically alive, but they're really dead while they're living. And Christ came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. John chapter 10, verse 10. Uh, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But he said, because I live, you will live also. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ says he was, you know, the Bible says he was the firstborn of a new generation, of a new species of being. If he's the firstborn, that must be other people coming after him. And we are of that same uh, lineage. You know, let me read on verse 20. But in point and fact, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, in point of fact, Christ has been raised from the dead just as the first fruits are the guarantee that all of the rest of the harvest will follow. So his resurrection guarantees that those who have died will rise again. Because he rose again, we have a guarantee that we will raise again if we've accepted him. For since it was through a man that death came into the world, that's Adam, it's also through a man that resurrection of the dead came. In Adam all die, and just so, in Christ all will be brought to life. But each in his own order First of the whole harvest is Christ, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then the end will come, and, and after Christ has destroyed every rule and authority and power in the spirit world, he will hand over the kingdom to God the Father. 
He must reign until God has reduced all his enemies to complete subjection. Death will be the last enemy to be destroyed. Scripture says God has completely subjected all things to him. But when the scripture says that all things have been subjected to him, it's quite clear that that does not include God himself who subjected all things to him. When all things have been subjected to him, then the Son too will himself be subjected to him who subjected all things to him. For the final purpose is that God should be all in all. That's just saying that God delegated all that authority to Jesus Christ and everything's in subjection to Jesus Christ, but of course not God because everything was subjected to Christ and then once it's all tied up, Jesus is going to take and say, here you go, Father. I did what you told me to do. Everything's now in subjection to you. Uh, but the part I wanted to focus on there was about Adam and about Christ. So through one man, and we learn that again also in Romans chapter 5, that through one man, death came into the world. But through one man, life came. And that man is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ made a way for us to live uh, his life, to live from his life and from his nature. Because Jesus lives, we have a guarantee that we can live also. That's not only in the life to come, but when you're born again, you receive eternal life. Uh, the Greek says, aeonius zoe. That's never ending. It's the quality of life that God has in us today, right here, right now, so that we could do the works that he did and greater works than these, so that his ministry could continue through us, the same ministry that he did. So the same way that he would look at the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery and just show love to her, we could find someone caught in the very act of adultery and show love to them. So the same way that uh, while we were sinning, Christ loved us, while we have uh, co-workers or friends or relatives, people that are in uh, the midst of sinning, of missing the mark, that we can love them. So that at the very moment people are on their deathbed ready to die, that we can go and speak a word of God to them and he can work in them in their body and bring life where there was death. And, um, you know... Uh, there was a, there's a little guy that uh, Jeremy and Leah and us were friends with his parents and stuff like that, and he was born, what, in April of last year or something like that, and uh, had a, a heart, um, I don't know what they call it, deformity, basically, and was supposed to die so many times, and, uh, you know, we just went and stood with him and uh, prayed and believed God, and he's home now. And uh, he's about ready to get off of his like feeding tubes and stuff like that. But he's just getting better and better and better. And I was in the room when the doctors, like they're like done. They don't know what to do. And he's he looks dead. I've got pictures of him. He looks dead. His parents asked me to take pictures and stuff, so because they wanted to have the testimony later. And um, incidentally, he's supposed to come speak in our church when he gets old enough. <laughs> so his dad told me because we're in the middle of trying to. Uh, uh, move to come out here when all this happened and um but he's alive and he's not alive because of um just what the doctors did the doctors did everything they could do and they ran out of things that they could do and they were kind of like you know what uh you gave us a special room you know like you got your free hotel at the hospital room hospital and you only get that room basically if it's a, a deathbed situation and uh you know they're like, well, he's still here. And then he started getting better and getting better. And, you know, we would ask him, you know, what, what do you need to see happen? And then they would tell us, and then we would pray. And, um, you know, 
uh, one of the one of the mornings, I can't remember if it was the nurses or the doctor came in and they said, uh, you know, the reason he's still here is because you're here. You're holding him here. Your, uh, your prayers are holding him. And then we found out some of them, of course, were Christian stuff. But the point is that uh, the gospel is for today and the power of God is for today. And the whole reason that we can have that is because Christ rose from the dead. He conquered death in all its forms. And because he said to us, he said to you, Jesus said, because I live, you can live also. Because I have life and the life and nature of God, you can have life and the life and nature of God. And the thing that encourages me about that is, yes, if I have an issue in my body um, and for eternal life, but once you have those and you kind of, you're understanding that, doesn't mean you still won't be attacked and won't have to stand. But then I want to take that and bring that life to other people. And I want to do what Jesus did, which is, I have come that you, mankind, might have life and have it more abundantly. And that's your mission, if you're a Christian, the same as my mission, is that we are to bring the life of God in contact with humankind so that death in all its forms can be destroyed. Depression is death. Sickness is death. Um, spiritual death certainly is death. And physical death is death. So we're here to continue the ministry that he began and our job is simply to bring people in connection with Jesus Christ. And then he does the works. And uh, uh, the Bible says he sent his word and healed them. So if you speak the word of God in faith, the healing power of God is present to heal people at that very moment. And all they have to do is reach out and receive it. Uh, if you'll stand with me, we'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word Thank you so much for giving us your word. Thank you for all of those men and women that died that your word could endure and come to us here today, that we can sit here in freedom and read from your word, Father. But I thank you that your word is not just a history book, but it's alive, it's living, it's breathing. Father, I pray this week that you'll help each of us to feed our faith on your word. Father, that you will help us to hang on your every word. As the psalmist said, that your word would be... Uh, like a deer panting for water, that our hunger for your word would be like that, that your word would uh, be more precious than any amount of money, that your word would be sweeter than any type of food that we could eat, that our hunger for your word would be stirred and moved, and Father, that you would help us um, to be bold, that we'll pray like Paul prayed, like the early church prayed, that you'll grant unto us boldness, that we may speak your word, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that Jesus Christ would be lifted up in our lives and in our families and in our church. Father, we just ask that you would give us great opportunities to speak your word to the lost, to speak to your word to those that maybe are even born again but are not living in the fullness of your life. Father, I thank you that you've chosen to use us as your representatives, as your ambassadors. Father, we thank you for your anointing upon each and every person that's here, that's listening to uh, this. Father, I thank you that you have anointed us and that you've called us, that you've equipped us with the same tools and the same equipment that you gave to Jesus Christ himself, that the same power that raised him from the dead lives in us, that the same power that raised him from the dead is present when we speak, speak your gospel message. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.